0: Chapter 13 of Anne of Geierstein by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Lake City, Utah. The enmity and discord which of late sprung from the rancorous outrage of your duke to merchants, our well-dealing countrymen, who, wanting guilders to redeem their lives, have sealed his rigorous statutes with their bloods, excludes all pity from our threatening looks. Comedy of errors. The dawn had scarce begun to touch the distant horizon when Arthur Philipson was on foot to prepare for his father's departure and his own, which, as arranged on the preceding night, was to take place two hours before the landamman and his attendants proposed to leave the ruinous castle of graf's lust it was no difficult matter for him to separate the neatly arranged packages which contained his father's effects from the clumsy bundles in which the baggage of the swiss was deposited the one set of mails was made up with the neatness of men accustomed to long and perilous journeys, the other with the rude carelessness of those who rarely left their home, and who were altogether inexperienced. A servant of the landamman assisted Arthur in this task, and in placing his father's baggage on the mule belonging to the bearded deputy from Switz. From this man also he received instructions, concerning the road from Grafslust to brissac the chief citadel of la ferette which was too plain and direct to render it likely that they should incur any risk of losing their way as had befallen them when traveling on the swiss mountains everything being now prepared for their departure the young englishman awakened his father and acquainted him that all was ready He then retired towards the chimney, while his father, according to his daily custom, repeated the prayer of St. Julian, the patron of travelers, and adjusted his dress for the journey. It will not be wondered at that, while the father went through his devotions and equipped himself for travel, Arthur, with his heart full of what he had seen of Anne of Geierstein, for some time before, and his brain dizzy with the recollection of the incidents of the preceding night, should have kept his eyes riveted on the door of the sleeping apartment at which he had last seen that young person disappear. That is, unless the pale and seemingly fantastic form, which had twice crossed him so strangely, should prove no wandering spirit of the elements, but the living substance of the person whose appearance it bore. So eager was his curiosity on this subject, that he strained his eyes to the utmost, as if it had been possible for them to have penetrated through wood and walls into the chamber of the slumbering maiden, in order to discover whether her eye or cheek bore any mark that she had last night been a watcher or a wanderer but that was the proof to which rudolph appealed he said internally and rudolph alone will have the opportunity of remarking the result who knows what advantage my communication may give him in his suit with yonder lovely creature And what must she think of me, save as one light of thought and loose of tongue, to whom nothing extraordinary can chance, but he must hasten to babble it into the ears of those who are nearest to him at the moment? I would my tongue had been palsied, ere I said a syllable to yonder proud yet wily prize-fighter, I shall never see her more that is to be counted for certain, I shall never know the true interpretation of those mysteries which hang around her. But to think I may have pratted something tending to throw her into the power of yonder ferocious boar will be a subject of remorse to me while I live. Here he was startled out of his reverie by the voice of his father, Why, how now, boy, art thou waking, Arthur, or sleeping on thy feet from the fatigue of last night's service? Not so, my father, answered Arthur, at once recollecting himself, somewhat drowsy, perhaps, but the fresh morning air will soon put that to flight. Walking with precaution through the group of sleepers who lay around, the elder Philipson, when they had gained the door, Of the apartment turned back, and looking on the straw couch which the large form of the landamman and the silvery beard of his constant companion, touched by the earliest beams of light, distinguished as that of Arnold Biederman, he muttered between his lips an involuntary adieu. Farewell, mirror of ancient faith and integrity. Farewell, noble Arnold, farewell soul of truth and candor to whom cowardice selfishness and falsehood are alike unknown and farewell thought his son to the loveliest and most candid yet most mysterious of maidens but the adieu as may well be believed was not like that of his father expressed in words they were soon after on the outside of the gate the swiss domestic was liberally recompensed and charged with a thousand kind words of farewell and of remembrance to the landamman from his english guests mingled with hopes and wishes that they might soon meet again in the burgundian territory the young man then took the bridle of the mule and led the animal forward on their journey at an easy pace his father walking by his side. After a silence of some minutes, the elder Philipson addressed Arthur, "'I fear me,' he said, "'we shall see the worthy landamman no more. The youths who attend him are bent upon taking offense. The Duke of Burgundy will not fail, I fear, to give them ample occasion, and the peace which the excellent man desires for the land of his father's, will be shipwrecked ere they reach the duke's presence, though even were it otherwise how the proudest prince in Europe will brook the moody looks of burgesses and peasants, so will Charles of Burgundy term the friends we have parted from, is a question too easily answered. A war, fatal to the interests of all concerned, save Louis of France, will certainly take place, and dreadful must be the contest if the ranks of the burgundian chivalry shall encounter those iron sons of the mountains before whom so many of the austrian nobility have been repeatedly prostrated i am so much convinced of the truth of what you say my father replied arthur that i judge even this day will not pass over Without a breach of truce, I have already put on my shirt of mail in case we should meet bad company betwixt Graf's Lust and Brissach, and I would to heaven that you would observe this same precaution. It will not delay our journey, and I confess to you that I, at least, will travel with much greater consciousness of safety should you do so i understand you my son replied the elder philipson but i am a peaceful traveller in the duke of burgundy's territories and must not willingly suppose that while under the shadow of his banner i must guard myself against banditti as if i were in the wilds of palestine as for the authority of his officers and the extent of their exactions i need not tell you that they are in our circumstances things to be submitted to without grief or grudging leaving the two travellers to journey towards brissoch at their leisure i must transport my readers to the eastern gate of that small town which situated on an eminence had a commanding prospect on every side but especially towards bale It did not properly make a part of the dominions of the Duke of Burgundy, but had been placed in his hands, in pawn or in pledge, for the repayment of a considerable sum of money due to Charles by the Emperor Sigismund of Austria, to whom the signory of the place belonged in property, but the town lay so conveniently for distressing the commerce of the Swiss, and inflicting on that people, whom he at once hated and despised, similar marks of his malevolence, as to encourage a general opinion that the Duke of Burgundy, the implacable and unreasonable enemy of these mountaineers, would never listen to any terms of redemption, however equitable or advantageous, which might have the effect of restoring to the emperor an advanced post of such consequence to the gratification of his dislike as Brissac. The situation of the little town was in itself strong, but the fortifications which surrounded it were barely sufficient to repel any sudden attack, and not adequate to resist for any length of time a formal siege the morning beams had shone on the spire of the church for more than an hour when a tall thin elderly man wrapped in a morning gown over which was buckled a broad belt supporting on the left side a sword on the right a dagger approached the barbican of the eastern gate his bonnet displayed a feather which or the tail of a fox in lieu of it was the emblem of gentle blood throughout all Germany, and a badge highly prized by those who had a right to wear it. The small party of soldiers who had kept watch there during the course of the preceding night, and supplied sentinels both for ward and outlook, took arms on the appearance of this individual, and drew themselves up in the form of a guard, which receives with military reverence an officer of importance. Archibald de Hagenbach's countenance, for it was the governor himself, expressed that settled peevishness and ill-temper which characterized the morning hours of a valetudinary debauchee. His head throbbed, his pulse was feverish, and his cheek was pale, symptoms of his having spent the last night, as was his usual custom, amid wine stoups and flagons, judging from the haste with which his soldiers fell into their ranks, and the awe and silence which reigned among them, it appeared that they were accustomed to expect and dread his ill-humor on such occasions. He glanced at them accordingly, and inquisitive, and dissatisfied look as if he sought something on which to vent his peevishness and then asked for the loitering dog killian killian presently made his appearance a stout hard-favored man-at-arms a bavarian by birth and by rank the personal squire of the governor what news of the swiss churls killian demanded archibald de hagenbach they should, by their thrifty habits, have been on the road two hours since. Have the peasant clods presumed to ape the manners of gentlemen, and stuck by the flask till cock crow. By my faith it may well be, answered Killian, the burghers of Bale gave them full means of carousal. How, Killian, they dared not offer hospitality to the Swiss drove of Bullocks, after the charge we sent them to the contrary nay the baileys received them not into the town replied the squire but i learned by sure espial that they afforded them means of quartering at Graff's lust which was furnished with many of fair gammon and pastry to speak not of flasks of rhine wine barrels of beer and stoops of strong waters "'The Baileys shall answer this, Killian,' said the governor. "'Do they think I am forever to be thrusting myself between the Duke and his pleasure on their behalf? "'The fat porkers have presumed too much since we accepted some trifling gifts at their hands, "'more for gracing of them than for any advantage we could make of their paltry donations.' was it not the wine from bale which we were obliged to drink out in pint goblets lest it should become sour before morning it was drunk out and in pint goblets too said killian so much i can well remember why go to then said the governor they shall know these beasts of bale that i hold myself no way obliged by such donations as these, and that my remembrance of the wines which I carouse rest no longer than the headache which the mixtures they drug me with never fail of late years to leave behind for the next morning's pastime. Your Excellency, replied the squire, will make it, then, a quarrel between the Duke of Burgundy and the city of Bale that they gave this indirect degree of comfort and assistance to the swiss deputation I marry will i said de hagenbach unless there be wise men among them who shall show me good reasons for protecting them oh the bailies do not know our noble duke nor the gift he hath for chastising the gutter-blooded citizens of a free town "'Thou canst tell them, Killian, as well as any man, "'how he dealt with the villains of Liege "'when they would needs be pragmatical. "'I will apprise them of the matter,' said Killian, "'when opportunity shall serve, "'and I trust I shall find them in a temper "'disposed to cultivate your honorable friendship. "'Nay, if it is the same to them,' "'It is quite indifferent to me, Killian,' continued the governor, "'but methinks whole and sound throats are worth some purchase "'were it only to swallow black puddings and Schwartz beer, "'to say nothing of Westphalian hams and Nierensteiner. "'I say a slashed throat is a useless thing, Killian. "'I will make the fat citizens to understand their danger.' and the necessity of making interest answered killian sure i am not now to learn how to turn the ball into your excellency's lap you speak well said sir archibald but how chanced it thou hast so little to say to the switzer's leaguer i should have thought an old trooper like thee would have made their pinions flutter amidst the good cheer thou tellest me of i might as well have annoyed an angry hedgehog with my bare finger said Killian. i surveyed graf's lust myself there were sentinels on the castle walls a sentinel on the bridge besides a regular patrol of these swiss fellows who kept strict watch so that there was nothing to be done otherwise knowing your excellency's ancient quarrel i would have had a hit at them when they should never have known who hurt them i will tell you however fairly that these churls are acquiring better knowledge in the art of war than the best ritter knight well they will be the better worth the looking after when they arrive said de hagenbach they come forth in state, doubtless, with all their finery, their wives' chains of silver, their own metals, and rings of lead and copper. Ah, the base hinds! They are unworthy that a man of noble blood should ease them of their trash. There is better ware among them, if my intelligence hath not deceived me, replied Killian. There are merchants. Shaw, the pack horses of Burn and Solur," said the governor, "with their paltry lumber, cloth too coarse to make covers for horses of any breeding, and linen that is more like haircloth than any composition of flax. I will strip them, however, were it but to vex the knaves. What, not content with claiming to be treated like an independent people?" and sending forth deputies and embassies forsooth, they expect, I warrant, to make the indemnities of ambassadors cover the introduction of a cargo of their contraband commodities, and thus insult the noble duke of Burgundy, and cheat him at the same time. But de Hagenbach is neither knight nor gentleman if he allow them to pass unchallenged and they are better worth being stopped said Killian, than your excellency supposes for they have english merchants along with them and under their protection english merchants exclaimed de hagenbach his eyes sparkling with joy english merchants kilian men talk of cathay and ind where there are mines of silver and gold and diamonds but on the faith of a gentleman, I believe these brutish islanders have the caves of treasure wholly within their own foggy land, and then the variety of their rich merchandise. Ha, huh, Killian, is it a long train of mules, a jolly tinkling team? By our lady's glove, the sound of it is already jingling in my ears more musically than all the harps of all the mind at Halbron. Nay, my lord, there is no great train, replied the squire, only two men, as I am given to understand, with scarce so much baggage as loads a mule. But it is said of infinite value, silk and semite, lace and furs, pearls and jewelry work, perfumes from the east, and gold work from Venice." raptures and paradise say not a word more exclaimed the rapacious knight of hagenbach they are all our own kilian why these are the very men i have dreamed of twice a week for this month past i two men of middle stature or somewhat under it with smooth round fair comely visages having stomachs as plump as partridges and purses as plump as their stomachs ha what sayest thou to my dream killian only that to be quite soothfast answered the squire it should have included the presence of a score or thereabouts of sturdy young giants as ever climbed cliff or carried bolt to whistle at a chamois a lusty plump of clubs bills and partisans such as make shields crack like oaken cakes and helmets ring like church bells the better knave the better exclaimed the governor rubbing his hands english peddlers to plunder swiss bullies to beat into submission i wot well we can have nothing of the helvetian swine save their beastly bristles it is likely they bring these two island sheep along with them but we must get ready our boar spears and clear the clipping-pens for exercise of our craft. Here, Lieutenant Schonfeldt, An officer stepped forth. How many men are here on duty? About sixty, replied the officer. Twenty out on parties in different directions, and there may be forty or fifty in their quarters. Order them all under arms instantly, Harky not by trumpet or bugle, but by warning them individually in their quarters to draw to arms as quietly as possible, and rendezvous here at the eastern gate. Tell the villains there is booty to be gained, and they shall have their share. On these terms, said Schoenfeldt, they will walk over a spider's web without startling the insect that wove it. I will collect them without loss of an instant. I tell thee, Killian, continued the exulting commandant, again speaking apart with his confidential attendant, nothing could come so luckily as the chance of this onslaught. Duke Charles desires to affront the Swiss, not, look you, that he cares to act towards them by his own direct orders, in such a manner as might be termed a breach of public faith. "'towards a peaceful embassy. "'But the gallant follower "'who shall save his prince "'this scandal of such an affair, "'and whose actions may be termed "'a mistake or misapprehension, "'shall, I warrant you, "'be accounted to have done knightly service. "'Perchance a frown may be passed "'upon him in public, "'but in private the duke "'will know how to esteem him.' why standest thou so silent man and what ails thy ugly ill-looking aspect thou art not afraid of twenty switzer boys and we at the head of such a band of spears the swiss answered kilian will give and take good blows yet i have no fear of them but i like not that we should trust too much to duke charles that he would be, in the first instance, pleased with any dishonor done the Swiss is likely enough, but if, as Your Excellency hints, he finds it afterwards convenient to disown the action, he is a prince likely to give a lively color to his disavowal by hanging up the actors. "'Shah!' said the Commandant. "'I know where I stand. Such a trick!' were like enough to be played by louis of france but it is foreign to the blunt character of our bold one of burgundy why the devil standest thou still man simpering like an ape at a roasted chestnut which he thinks too warm for his fingers your excellency is wise as well as warlike said the esquire and it is not for me to contest your pleasure but this peaceful embassy these english merchants if charles goes to war with louis as the rumor is current what he should most of all desire is the neutrality of switzerland and the assistance of england whose king is crossing the sea with a great army now you sir archibald of hagenbach may well do that in the course of this very morning which will put the confederated cantons in arms against Charles and turn the English from allies into enemies. "'I care not,' said the commandant. "'I know the duke's humor well, and if he, the master of so many provinces, is willing to risk them in a self-willed frolic, what is it to Archibald de Hagenbach, who has not a foot of land to lose in the cause?' "'But you have life, my lord,' said the esquire. "'Aye, life,' replied the knight, "'a paltry right to exist, "'which I have been ready to stake "'every day of my life for dollars, "'ay, and for Kruzzers, "'and think you I will hesitate to pledge it "'for broad pieces, jewels of the East, "'and goldsmith's work of Venice?' "'No, Killian,' these English must be eased of their bales, that Archibald de Hagenbach may drink a purer flask than their thin moselle, and wear a brocade doublet instead of greasy velvet. Nor is it less necessary that Killian should have a seemly new jerkin and a purse of ducats to jingle at his girdle. By my faith, said Killian, that last argument— hath disarmed my scruples and i give up the point since it ill befits me to dispute with your excellency to the work then said his leader but stay we must first take the church along with us the priest of st paul's hath been moody of late and spread abroad strange things from the pulpit as if we were little better than common pillagers and robbers nay he have had the insolence to warn me as he termed it twice in strange form it were well to break the growling mastiff's bald head but since that might be ill taken by the duke the next point of wisdom is to fling him a bone he may be a dangerous enemy said the squire dubiously his power is great with the people tush replied Hagenbach, i know how to disarm the shaveling send to him and tell him to come hither to speak with me meanwhile have all our force under arms let the barbican and barrier be well manned with archers station spearmen in the houses on each hand of the gateway and let the street be barricaded with carts well bound together but placed as if they had been there by accident Place a body of determined fellows in these carts and behind them. So soon as the merchants and their mules enter, for that is the main point, up with your drawbridge, down with the portcullis, send a volley of arrows among those who are without, if they make any scuffle. Disarm and secure those who have entered, and are cooped up between the barricade before and the ambush behind and around them and then kilian and then said his esquire shall we like merry free companions be knuckle deep in the english budgets and like jovial hunters replied the knight elbow deep in swiss blood the game will stand at bay though answered kilian They are led by that Donnerhugel whom we have heard of, whom they call the young bear of Bern. They will turn to their defense. The better man, wouldst thou kill sheep rather than hunt wolves? Besides, our toils are set, and the whole garrison shall assist. Shame on thee, Killian, thou wert not wont to have so many scruples. Nor have I now, said Killian, but these Swiss bills and two-handed swords of the breadth of four inches are no child's play. And then, if you call all our garrison to the attack, to whom will your excellency entrust the defense of the other gates and the circuit of the walls? Lock, bolt, and chain up the gates, replied the governor, and bring the keys hither. There shall no one leave the place till this affair is over. Let some score of the citizens take arms for the duty of guarding the walls, and look they discharge it well, or I will lay a fine on them, which they shall discharge to purpose. They will grumble, said Killian. They say that not being the Duke's subjects, though the place is impledged to his grace, they are not liable to military service. They lie, the cowardly slaves, answered de Hagenbach, if I have not employed them much hitherto, it is because I scorn their assistance, nor would I now use their help, were it for anything save to keep a watch, by looking out straight before them. Let them obey as they respect their property, persons, and families. A deep voice behind them repeated the emphatic language of Scripture, i have seen the wicked man flourish in his power even like unto a laurel but i returned and he was not yea i sought him but he was not to be found sir archibald the hagenbach turned sternly and encountered the dark and ominous looks of the priest of saint paul's dressed in the vestments of his order we are busy father said the governor and will hear your preachment another time i come by your summons sir governor said the priest or i had not intruded myself where i well knew my preachments if you term them so will do no good oh i crave your mercy reverend father said de hagenbach yes it is true that i did send for you to desire your prayers and kind intercession with our lady and st paul in some transactions which are likely to occur this morning and in which as the lombard says i do espy roba di guadagno sir archibald answered the priest calmly i well hope and trust that you do not forget the nature of the glorified saints so far as to ask them for their blessing upon such exploits as you have been too oft engaged in since your arrival amongst us an event which of itself gave token of the divine anger nay let me say humble as i am that decency to a servant of the altar should check you from proposing to me to put up prayers for the success of pillage and robbery I understand you, father, said the rapacious governor, and you shall see I do. While you are the Duke's subject, you must, by your office, put up your prayers for his success in matters that are fairly managed. You acknowledge this with a graceful bend of your reverend head. Well, then, I will be as reasonable as you are. Say, we desire the intercession of the good saints, and of you, their pious orator, in something a little out of the ordinary path, and, if you will, somewhat of a doubtful complexion. Are we entitled to ask you, or them, for their pains and trouble, without a just consideration? Surely, no. Therefore, I vow and solemnly promise that if i have good fortune in this morning's adventure st paul shall have an altar-cloth and a basin of silver large or little as my booty will permit our lady a web of satin for a full suit with a necklace of pearl for holidays and thou priest some twenty pieces of broad english gold for acting as go-between betwixt ourselves and the blessed apostles whom we acknowledge ourselves unworthy to negotiate with in our profane person and now sir priest do we understand each other for i have little time to lose i know you have hard thoughts of me but you see the devil is not quite so horrible as he is painted do we understand each other answered the black priest of st paul's repeating the governor's question alas no and i fear me we never shall hast thou never heard the words spoken by the holy hermit birchtold of offringen to the implacable queen agnes who had revenged with such dreadful severity the assassination of her father the emperor albert not i returned the knight I have neither studied the chronicles of emperors nor the legends of hermits, and therefore, Sir Priest, and you like not my proposal, let us have no further words on the matter. I am unwont to press my favors or to deal with priests who require entreaty when gifts are held out to them. Hear yet the words of the holy man, said the priest. The time may come, and that shortly, when you would gladly desire to hear what you scornfully reject. Speak on, but be brief, said Archibald the Hagenbach, and know, though thou mayest terrify or cajole the multitude, thou now speakest to one whose resolution is fixed far beyond the power of thy eloquence to melt know then said the priest of st paul's that agnes daughter of the murdered albert after shedding oceans of blood in avenging his bloody death founded at length the rich abbey of Konigsfeld, and that it might have a superior claim to renowned sanctity made a pilgrimage in person to the cell of the holy hermit and besought of him to honor her abbey by taking up his residence there but what was his reply mark it and tremble begone ruthless woman said the holy man god will not be served with blood-guiltiness and rejects the gifts which are obtained by violence and robbery the almighty loves mercy justice and humanity and by the lovers of these only will he be worshipped And now, Archibald of Hagenbach, once, twice, thrice hast thou had warning. Live as becomes a man on whom sentence is passed, and who must expect execution. Having spoken these words with a menacing tone and frowning aspect, the priest of St. Paul's turned away from the governor, whose first impulse was to command him to be arrested but when he recollected the serious consequences which attached to the laying violent hands on a priest he suffered him to depart in peace conscious that his own unpopularity might render any attempt to revenge himself an act of great rashness he called therefore for a beaker of burgundy in which he swallowed down his displeasure and had just returned to kilian the cub which he had drained to the bottom when the warden winded a blast from the watch-tower which betokened the arrival of strangers at the gate of the city End of chapter 13.